Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show. Everyone here with Kurt Gray. Kurt, welcome. Thanks very much for having me. How much fun are we going to have today? We're going to talk about the Mind Club. All right. <laughs> tell us... Uh, Tell us a little bit about, first of all, the name, The Mind Club. Tell us where that came from. Uh, yeah, so The Mind Club is, is pretty simple. It's just a collection of entities uh, that we acknowledge can think and feel. And so we know we're in The Mind Club, but what about everyone else? Um, the Mind Club is about who we, we let into the collection of minds with us. Hmm. Who is definitely not in The Mind Club? Well, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> Because everything's a matter of perception, but uh, as we mentioned in the book, we can be pretty certain that uh, turnips are not in the mind club, uh, or chairs, or tables. So inanimate objects seldom are. But you know, even even Jains, you know, the the Indian religion believe that root vegetables do have some kind of mind. So even with turnips, we can't be totally sure. Now, do you believe in, a, in the Cartesian theory of dualism and in, in the sense of our minds? There's a person inside of our minds that's, that's the captain of the ship, if you will, and the distinction of the mind and the body. Explain that, how you think that possibility. Uh, yeah, so I don't believe in it, but it's clear that many people do, and it's clear that even scientists like me who explicitly deny the idea of Cartesian dualism were all born dualists. We all implicitly believe in the separation of mind and body, which is how, as we talk about in the book, how it's easy for people to kind of understand about how people's, you know, minds can switch bodies, right? That's, that's kind of like a ludicrous idea from a, if, you're, uh, if you're not a dualist, but we all totally appreciate the plots of movies like Freaky Friday. You've chosen to sort of look at some extraordinary targets, if you will, like how the mind perceives animals and machines and you know, God, you know, and uh, some of these obviously controversial issues. Why was that so interesting to you in the first place? And what conclusions did you, did you come the more you dug into this? So we, we call those crypto minds, mm-hmm. right? cryptic other minds. And I think they're the most kind of interesting targets because we're so unsure about them. And what we've found is that our moral judgments how we ascribe moral status to others depends upon uh, mind. So um, when slavery is justified, it's often justified on the basis that those people who are enslaved have lesser minds than the people who are doing the enslaving. Um, And so we all basically acknowledge that humans have minds and deserve moral status, but, you know, what about animals? Why do some people think it's incredibly immoral to eat uh, cows and pigs and other people just, you know, think it's dinner? Um, and the same is true with vegetative patients and robots and, and so forth. So the reason we look at these minds is because they're ambiguous and because this ambiguity in mind uh, gives rise to ambiguity in morality. Hmm. Tell me a little bit about compassion and how that figures into the equation of, of, of how we think of, say, a cow. Let's just take the cow example, for example. Yeah, what compassion so- might we have for a cow 
if so we think, eat a cow. Right. Um, so I think, you know, compassion really depends on, on giving a mind, right? So we feel compassion to things that we think can suffer and things who we want to protect uh, from suffering. And so it's no surprise that vegetarians have more compassion for things like cows than, than meat eaters. But this compassion is often uh, is motivated. So if I make you eat beef jerky and then I ask you to rate the mind of a cow and rate your compassion towards the cow, you'll feel less compassion just because you don't want to be the kind of person who, who eats, you know, living, uh, of course cows are living, but like smart animals, right? So this uh, study was done in a grocery store. They came up to people. They gave them either uh, beef jerky or cashews and had them rate, like, you know, the taste test. And then they had them rate the mind of cows. And if you just ate beef jerky, you think cows are much more dumb than if you just ate cashews because we want our moral decisions to be consistent with our behavior. Do we worry about the minds of other people in the sense of our bosses being happy and our girlfriends or wives or boyfriends being happy all the time? Is this a worry that drives our thinking about other people's minds? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> you know, those are, all, those are all things that it's pretty clear have minds, right? So your spouse or your boss, right? You know that there are things that, uh, that make them happy or sad. But it's, it's kind of funny because you can't know for certain, right? So they can tell you things, they can use language, but as the old saying goes, you, you can't know whether you know, your blue is my yellow or whether strawberries taste the same to you as they do to me. Um, other minds are kind of ultimately inaccessible, and this is a very old philosophical problem. And so we often don't think of this problem when we think about other people who are close to us like our bosses and girlfriends, but there's lots of people for whom it's not clear, like our enemies or, you know, people who speak different languages and so forth. To know somebody is to perhaps get inside their mind and understand how they think and how they feel. Do you, is that a prerequisite for letting somebody into the mind club? Yes. So I think, you know, that's exactly... Do you exactly have to know them? Do you have to know them? Do you have to understand them? Do you have to feel their pain? Yeah, I think or share their happiness. There's degrees of being in the mind club. So if we if we get a sense that we know their pain, it's very easy for us to acknowledge that they're in the club. So often this depends on how similar someone is to us, right? So if someone likes the same TV shows and the same food and the same music, right? Because we know we're in the mind club. If they like all the same things we like, then it's easy for us to admit them. But when we talk to people who, you know, eat fish pickles for dinner and like Japanese noise metal for music and like TV shows that we think are dumb, right? It's hard for us to kind of understand that they have minds because their minds are different than us. So certainly knowing and um, simulating is important. What is social media doing to the mind club? Boy, I think, you know, <laughs> I, I want to say a hopeful answer that it's letting us understand that other people from far away have the same minds we have. So I have Twitter followers, for instance, from, you know, from diverse countries, from Iran and things like that. And, you know, when, when their posts are in English, at least, since I uh, can't read um, different languages, I understand that they have a similar kind of mind that I have. But, 
you know, if you know about the example of the of the bot, Microsoft's bot that went online to try to like learn about humanity from social media, mm-hmm. and the bot turned into basically a racist jerk <laughs> because that's the majority of posts on social media, kind of like snarky, nasty posts. I think social media might actually help to narrow our minds because we only appreciate the minds of those we follow on Twitter, let's say, and ignore the minds of everyone else. What do you think of matchmaking models like Match.com or eHarmony, for example, that, that hopes to dissect how you what your interests are and how you think about things and match you up with somebody else. Do you think that that is a, a, the, the, the ultimate mind club entry process, or do you think that's right. a little too forced? Well, you know, I think your kind of relationship partner is, is the kind of ultimate member of your mind club, right, because they're so close to you. And I think a lot of those algorithms hinge in some sense on how well we understand our own minds. So when you write down your hobbies and your preferences and what you think of things, it's those algorithms are assuming that you're right with those things, right? Like, I do like long walks on the beach. Well, in fact, when I go to the beach, I complain all the time about the flies and the heat, right? So maybe those algorithms aren't useful and maybe they're not useful. It's because we don't understand our own minds as well as we think we might. Let's talk about animals for a second and even a merger with that last discussion on social media. You know, you you seem to talk a little bit about animals quite a bit and the concept of animals in the book and and many other things as well and algorithms and all kinds of other things. But back to animals, you know, can can we can we imagine ourselves, you know, thinking about a dog or a cat as a human and having feelings and being as curious as we are and often as dumb as humans are? Do we allow animals in the mind club? We absolutely do, especially animals that live with us and we spend a lot of time with, like our pets. And I think that the crazy thing about the Mind Club is that you can get, um, in some sense, reversals of objective mind. So you can allow pets, you know, my cats, I definitely think are in the Mind Club, but then, you know, we pass by homeless people on the street while going to buy our pets expensive dog food, right? So how is it that we can think that our cats can suffer, but that another person who actually can suffer, right, we ignore their suffering entirely. So, um, yeah, so we should be careful about how we perceive mind, because even though we uh, are willing in an objective sense to allow other people in, uh, sometimes we act differently than our objective perceptions of mind. Do we let brands into the mind club? Uh, I think so. Uh, we let all sorts of things in the mind club that, <laughs> that maybe don't don't really deserve it. So um, I think I think definitely that people associate with their brands, and sometimes they see them as as real people. Um, you know, corporations definitely try to make people think that brands have minds. So I've talked to folks actually from uh, Purina dog food about how they can brand themselves to make people feel like, you know, they, they are a kind of person like you or I. Um, and to do that, you know, they, they make themselves seem like 
we're helping owners be heroes towards their dogs who are ultimately like capable of of suffering and experiencing emotions right so it's like really up to us to protect them with the help of purina let's talk about how emotions play into this um and even a machine for example could uh could create emotions or uh for example a hologram uh that is uh, wowing people with a uh, uh, whale, you know, plunging out of the water on a high school floor. I just happened to see that on Facebook, and the kids that saw that were thought that it was a surreal experience and almost drug-like that this event happened with a hologram crashing on the floor of the gymnasium. Is is emotion often the driver and entry ticket to the the club? Yeah, I think it's probably the the number one ticket. So when we see something as capable of feeling, and in particular feeling pain is the most important thing, that's what extends our heart to things. And I think that's because we're we're kind of hardwired when we see other, you know, especially animals and people in pain to to go out to them and to help them. I was just at a conference this past weekend and uh, we were, you know, talking about other minds and whether animals had minds or not. And then as we looked outside, we saw three rabbits, um, you know, just hopping around for springtime. And one of the rabbits had something wrong with its back legs and was having trouble getting up a hill and they were kind of spasming. And it was kind of funny in some sense, because all these philosophers and psychologists were saying like, oh my God, that poor bunny, right? Like, it must be suffering. I want to help it. And we were just talking objectively about maybe how bunnies don't really have minds. But when you see that kind of suffering, you just can't help but sympathize. Let's take a break, everyone, and come back with some hard, more difficult questions on why this all matters. Back in just a minute, everyone. Welcome back, Kurt. Great having you here today. Great. Thanks. So what does this all mean for us? Why does this really matter? It, it really matters because minds are the basis of our moral judgment. When we talk about whether uh, convicts are sound of mind and whether they deserve the death penalty, when we talk about whether animals have enough mind to warrant uh, protection, uh, that's why it matters, because, you know, minds, minds are about morality. Consider, I think, uh, a good example is abortion. You know, everyone agrees that it is wrong to kill a baby. But what conservatives and liberals disagree about is whether a rapidly dividing mass of cells, i.e. a fetus, is a baby. And that's really a question of mind perception. Does this mass of cells have a mind or not? Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. 
With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. How does this fit with empathy? Yeah, so I think empathy is really what we feel when we perceive a mind that can experience. So in our research, we suggest that we perceive mind along two uh, dimensions, two senses of thinking and feeling. And so we see things like robots and corporations as thinking and animals and children as feeling. And the more we ascribe the capacity for feeling, the more automatically we feel empathy. And what empathy does is it's not just the recognition of someone else's feelings, but really caring about those uh, feelings and wanting to protect them from harm. So I think that's really what empathy is. To be a leader in the mind club, should you therefore not be very empathetic? Aren't the most empathetic people the most, uh, the most interested in how everyone else is feeling and its ability to understand and and not only understand the feelings of others, but perhaps share those feelings. And yeah. in other words, the better you are at that, the more you're a leader in the mind club. Yeah, so I think, you know, being empathic is definitely useful and necessary for being a leader, right? Knowing how to lead those, uh, you know, that, that are following you. But I think you don't want to... Well, so empathy really has two components, right? Empathy has a kind of cognitive component, understanding other people's uh, desires and wants. And the more effective component is understanding when they're like sad and kind of sympathizing with them. Uh And I think leaders typically excel on understanding other people's thoughts, you know, their thinking and their Uh goals. 
but they're less likely to kind of wallow in the emotions of others, right? Obama recognizes, you know, the desires of the the public and tries to drive forward, but he doesn't sit there on the couch, you know, sharing Kleenexes with people who are crying. Uh-huh. So I think we often think of leaders as appreciating mental states, but not sharing them in as much. Did you learn anything interesting about that, that sort of reveals why we are so compelled to love certain things and hate certain things or want to harm other people or protect others? Did you notice anything about these extremes that we have in in how we think about things? Yeah, I think I think you know the the thing we noticed was that the extremes are really just an outgroup of the outgrowth rather of the more everyday prosaic perceptions of mind. So one example we talk about is how Americans tortured over the course of a decade, you know, uh, those suspected of terrorism in Guantanamo Bay. And these are Americans who presumably have you know, wives and husbands at home and who love their pets, and yet they can kind of physically assault uh, someone who appears different than them for, for ages. And that's a very extreme case of mind perception, but it's still the same processes, right? We just take a little bit of mind away every day, and then all of a sudden you're left perceiving someone as less than human. Hmm. Who can your book most help? So, uh, you know, I... It's not a a kind of self-help book in the traditional sense, but I think it can help anyone with with deep questions about what it means to be human and what it means to understand others. I mean, all of us are interested in understanding the minds of those around us. I mean, questions of love and hate, as you suggested, are really questions about mind. And so this book is for anyone who wants to uh, understand what other people are thinking and feeling, uh, not just people, but also machines, uh, loved ones who've passed away, God, and even themselves. Hmm. How do you distinguish the mind club with mind games, which I'm convinced my wife plays with me all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think to play mind games with someone, you need to acknowledge that someone's in the mind club, right? Um, No one plays mind games with a turnip, so... Uh, I, you know, or maybe someone does. I just haven't met them yet. <laughs> so you're you're convinced that it's a healthy thing. Mind games are, are a part of of the mind club. Uh, well, I'd say you should at least be grateful that your mind or your wife understands that you have a mind to play games with. I'm not sure <laughs> if you should appreciate her mind games, but at least she doesn't see you uh, as a turnip. <laughs> Fair enough. Two final questions for you. Who would you like to get a hold of you, and how can they get a hold of you? Uh, I'm happy for anyone to get a hold of me who has questions about you know, mind perception or morality, and the easiest way to get a hold of me is uh, through my... Uh, I have a website called the Mind Perception and Morality Lab. It's the lab I lead at University of North Carolina. Uh, or they can just find me on Twitter at uh, Kurt J. Gray. Kurt, it was great be having you here today. Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Had a lot of fun. Right on. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser, and more in tune with the Mind Club. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. 
The opinions expressed on this Cranberry Radio program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry Media. Any redistribution of this content without proper consent is prohibited. 